Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, or just trying to rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralesa, and this podcast came from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you on your path to greater success and fulfillment in your career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. It's also good to be a good listener, to ask open-ended questions you're not alone. And so many people are being laid off for like the second, third, fourth time, maybe in their careers. It's your weaker ties who actually can be the most impactful in finding new opportunities. It's not always the people who know you the best. You've got to dream big. Even if you don't make it a hundred percent of the way, there's going to be so much that happens for you as you are growing and learning and, and trying new things that you can't lose. Welcome to episode 57 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. Our guest today is Octavia Gorodima. Before we begin, I wanted to thank all the supporters of the podcast as it recently passed 9,000 downloads. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of the content. Do subscribe, like and share. It does make such a difference. Now back to the show. Octavia is a career coach and the founder of 2010 Agency. Her mission is to help underrepresented professionals advance their careers. Octavia is the author of Prep, Push, Pivot, Essential Career Strategies for Underrepresented Women, published by Wiley. She has coached leaders at renowned companies, including Google, American Airlines, Tinder, General Motors, Nike, and Dow Jones. A dual US-UK citizen, Octavia was appointed a member of the Order of the British Empire, MBE, by the Queen in recognition of her work. Octavia is a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, where she leads a gender equity network in the United States. Welcome, Octavia. Thanks so much, Harsha. Well, it's it's great to have you on the show, Octavia. And she, uh, Octavia is actually joining us from LA. So how is the weather out there, Octavia? Actually, right now, it's a little cloudy, um, but it's very early in the morning. So there's potential. Thanks for waking, waking up and joining us. So Octavia, I'm a big fan of the arts. Is there a performer, song, book or film which you'd like to share with us today? Yes, my current library book. Um, it's it's called The Bandit Queens. It's a novel by Parini Shroff. I'm really excited to have this, actually, because I actually requested that my library stock this book, and they actually did. So I'm thrilled. I'm the first person to borrow it from my library. So I just started it, but I'm really, really enjoying it. I also love the story of the author, Parini Shroff. She's actually a practicing attorney. And yet she's written this best-selling debut fiction novel. And I I love it when people are multifaceted. So I'm really enjoying it so far. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. So um, back to the beginning, Um, you studied at Leicester University in the UK. Um, What was your degree? And was there any particular strategy behind that? Yeah, so I have a joint honours degree from the University of Leicester in politics and economic and social history. I picked politics and history because they were the two topics that I 
loved the most um, at A-level. I had a phenomenal teacher, Mrs. Holmes, who taught me both subjects. She was just such an influence on me. And I underscore that because I wasn't going to go to university. I actually didn't apply when the UCAS window opened um, because I didn't think I was good enough. Luckily, I came to my senses <laughs> within a couple of months, like just before the window closed and scurried to pull together the application and I received multiple offers and Leicester was my number one choice and I got the grades that I needed to go. Um, so it actually was probably a moment when I look back, that was a turning point where I realized that I can't put a ceiling on my own potential. And if I had continued to do that based on fear of rejection, I could would never have had what was an incredibly fulfilling and transformative experience in my years at Leicester. It was, yeah, a really special time and a real learning moment for me. No, I, I just love that point you make because it's amazing. I think for so many people, they have limiting beliefs, even if they've achieved great things. Um, yes. And you know, for you, you thought, well, university may not be for you. And maybe if you're, um, if you're from a background where uh, people are not going to university or you can't see people like yourself doing those things or being in those jobs, then that whole idea of representation, I think, is is so important. Um, so I just love that point you make. And, and even for myself with Leamington Beliefs, before I started the podcast, I thought, well, there's no way I can do it. And I actually stopped oh, talking no. myself out of doing it. Um, but I think once you actually start doing something, you break it down and maybe you get some help. Um, and I think you know, it does show that you always need help in your journey because, yeah. you know, I hate these stories where people say, well, you know, I woke up one day and I decided to do this and I did it. And it's a very linear thing. And clearly it's not. But there are yeah. so many people along the way. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's somebody who sees something in you. I think that's mm -hmm. so important. I mean, what do you think, Octavia? Oh, absolutely. And my teacher, Mrs. Holmes, was definitely a galvanizing factor. She may not have realized how much so at the time, but she really encouraged me to pursue an A-level in politics. I have five A-levels, but I did my politics A-level in the space of just one year. It was, um, yes, um, I was just really passionate about it. And she said she would teach me. And I think there was four or five of us in our lunch breaks um, mm -hmm. so that we could get the A-level. And I absolutely loved it. And that became my major, my joint honours major at university. And I think that experience and that commitment that she had and that excitement she had about us actually making this happen fueled me to think, well, I can't stop now. And I was a fantastic student, but I still, even though just was questioning about whether I could really do this. So yes, I'm forever thankful <laughs> and, and then, <laughs> that and I did those subjects. And I think another interesting thing that just struck me is about thinking about your goals and your dreams, because I think it's really important to try and have these big goals and big dreams, because even if you don't get to what you envision your dream job or your dream life is, even if you get 50% of the way or 60% of the way, that's still much more than many other people. Um, I mean, what do you think, Octavia? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, Leicester was my first pick. Not only did I go there, I actually went on to serve on a board at the university. Oh, wow. One of my first book tour events 
was at the university. So uh, even just in that own capacity, yes, you, you've got to dream big. And like you said, even if you don't make it 100% of the way, there's going to be so much that happens for you as you are growing and learning and, and trying new things that you can't lose. You just can't lose. No, fantastic. So after um, Leicester, you moved into PR. So what was the um, rationale behind that? And what sort of new skills did you learn? Yeah. So I have always been fascinated by communications, but my, my first dream really was to be a writer, an author, or a journalist. And it was suggested to me that a career that runs alongside that would be communications. So I decided to pursue that and I found my first job. It was advertised in the Guardian newspaper on a Monday. I don't know if they still do it, but it would be Media Guardian and <laughs> there'd be jobs. And But the, you wouldn't really see many entry-level jobs advertised at that time because, you know, those job ads were expensive. Though. And so it tended to be the management almost senior ones, but there was this entry-level job advertised. Now, I wasn't planning to move to London. I actually was planning to stay in the Midlands. Um, but the one job in London that I applied for, I saw advertised in The Guardian, and that's the job that I got. And because I'd secured what I needed for my degree before my finals, I started interviewing and I interviewed and they made me an offer. And I I literally moved, I think, a couple of days after my last exam um, because I was already down there and had to come back for my graduation ceremony. <laughs> okay. Wow. I just love that. And, and and it's funny, I think with communication, I just think that is so key for your career because you can be doing good things, but if you're not communicating that um, to your boss, to your colleagues, almost to the outside world, and I'm not saying you should do this in an inauthentic way, but I do think um, if you think about your brand, building your brand, it's been abused and misused that term. But I do think it's really important when people say, say, think of Octavia, what are the three things that you associate with that? And that's very much from your almost digital footprint um, and creating content. And now say people, you've got the internet, they'll just Google Octavia Gorodema yeah. and then they'll see your book and your in, you know, all the st- lovely stuff you've done. Uh, yeah. So I do think that's so powerful, the whole idea of communication and how you can get your messaging across. I mean, what do you think, Octavia? Oh, I totally agree. Um, but when I started my career, oh my goodness, it wasn't the internet. It was fax machines, Harsha. Right? <laughs> it was like, it was old school. And I was doing, at the time, a lot of parliamentary monitoring. I was leveraging um, my politics degree and helping the clients that the company I joined figure out how to best position themselves for legislation and changes that were going to really impact how they do their business. It was professional services. It was um, accountants uh, like yourself and lawyers and insolvency practitioners um, that we were guiding in terms of corporate communications um, and public affairs. Um, But you are absolutely right. As my communications career progressed, I went on to work in a number of different areas. I relocated to the United States. And of course, the way we communicate now and the opportunities and the platforms that were available for us are just extraordinary. When I started my career, no social media. Yeah, LinkedIn didn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally reading the newspapers, the printed newspapers every day to see what was being discussed, not doing a search and seeing what was coming up on Google News. That wasn't a platform that was available then. Um, and now we're in such exciting times where, yes, like you said, you can you can Google and, and find just 
an array of information and that and I feel very blessed that because of the career that I had I have perhaps a perspective on how to we can use that in our careers to our advantage and and, and it's funny just talking about social media because um clearly we didn't know each other till a few months ago and then yeah. I came across one of your articles and I thought oh that it's a good article I reached out and you kindly connected and then I was following what you're doing because clearly I you know you can see one good article but you just need to make sure it's consistent you <laughs> know, to protect, protect the reframe and reset your career back brand but obviously Octavia <laughs> passed the test with flying colors and then and then I, I invited you on and you kindly agreed, agreed to appear and it's amazing how you know in this sort of digital age you can build um you know relationships and friendships up quite quickly purely yes. by just you know, reaching out to people communicating but also i think in the real world you know when people are meeting um you know face to face um yeah. it's so important to be able to explain you know who it is you are in in a succinct way not with giving your life story but almost like this elevator pitch as to mm-hmm. like what you stand for uh, what you can offer um i mean what 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 do you think octavia absolutely but i would add to that it's also good to be a good listener Oh, yeah, totally. And to ask open-ended questions when you're meeting people. And one of the things I talk about in my book, Prep, Push, Pivot, is the importance of paying it forward. And I love connecting with new people. And I love hearing what, not just what they do, but what they want to do next. That's what I think is the most exciting thing. Because what we're doing now might actually be fantastic and we're fulfilled and happy. But I am always fascinated by what someone wants to do next. Yes, it's that whole idea of, okay, you can be happy where you are now, but try and think where where do you want to go to? Okay, you may not get to the ultimate destination as we talked about, but I think it's really that journey and learning and constantly learning because meeting new people, trying new things, it will give you ideas which you may not have thought about before. Um, I mean, what do you think, David? Yes, and next might be the next career role but it actually might be the next experience it might be something you want to try or something you're excited about or something you're curious about or an event you'd like to go to <laughs> it, it it can be really open-ended and I just I, I love thinking about how I might be able to help someone and if it's not me personally that can help it might be just uh, even a recommendation or a suggestion um, and I think that's very important too when we're connecting and networking it is good to share and have our elevator pitch ready but also to listen and absorb and you just never know how you might be able to help somebody yeah no totally and and I think I think people are more willing to help than you realize but also I think you have to have like a good vibe a good energy if you can I'm not not saying you should fake it but try and bring some energy because it does make such a difference and I think say um yeah we're going to talk about the interview scenario if you are going to an interview and you do come across in a positive way uh as if you're a go not a go-getter but somebody who will try and come up with solutions rather than seeing problems they'll say see this is a challenge I think that makes such a difference. Um, yes. and what do you think of Tabor? Absolutely. And the impact and impression that we make is more than just what we say. It's our demeanor, our body language, our energy. Um, so, yes, all of those things are very important. Fantastic. So just looking at the sort of job market at the moment, um, obviously yeah. it's clearly you know, tough times. Now, if you have the misfortune to be laid off or you lose your job, 
what are the strategies you would suggest to sort of get you uh, going again? Yeah, so I'm in Los Angeles here in the United States, and I don't know if it's the same in the United Kingdom right at this exact moment, but things here are horrific. Almost everyone I know has somebody they know or they themselves have been impacted by a layoff. And like just literally over the past six months, time and time again, I'm hearing it. If you log on to LinkedIn at the moment, our feeds are flooded um, with people sharing news about either themselves or resharing the news of someone that they know um, who has been impacted. It's really hard, Asha, more often than not, even if you knew there might be a potential of this happening when you find out that it's happening to you. It's a really hard thing to hear. In the United States, it can have immediate effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, you literally find out on the morning and that's it. If you're finding out via email, which a lot of people do, especially in reductions in force, which is when more than 50 people are laid off here, you're finding out via an email and then you re- lose access to your email and, you know, anything that you have done at that company in that time. Or if you're in in an office, you get called into a meeting and told this is your last day today. It's jarring. The first thing I would tell anyone to do is to take time to process how they feel, whether it's frustration, anger, upset, confusion. Take the time to process. It might be that you need to go back to your human resources point of contact with some clarifying questions because when you're receiving information and you're processing at the same time, it's a lot. More than likely, you might want time to go back and to ask some questions and know that you can do that. But take time to process your emotions. Talk to somebody as you are doing that. I think that's very, very important. Don't keep it all inside. And then maybe after a couple of days, you can start to think about what you do next. And some of that will be dependent on the time frame that you have in terms of your own personal finances and what you need to do, potentially in the time that you have to find your next opportunity. And that will vary for everybody. For some people, they've got to find the next thing immediately. Other people might have been given what they call a severance package here that will cover them for a period of time. Um, Here in the United States, your health insurance is tied to your employment. And um, and then there's also situations, I'm now a U.S. citizen, but so many people are here on work visas that are tied to their employment. They might have 60 days to find their next employer before they lose their right to work in the United States. And um, you might only have 30 days or 10 days or 15 days left of health insurance. And then you don't, you know, you have to have coverage, which you're paying for yourself. So it's, there are huge considerations financial before you even get into the, how will I find that next opportunity and what am I going to do next? So it's a lot to process. Once you've processed, you've asked your clarifying questions, you've considered what your timeline is, think about what you want to do next, and then think about who you need to tell so that you can maximize your reach. No, I think I think those are all great points. And I just love that whole idea of speaking to somebody because yes. look, if even if you know it's in the pipeline, I think the reality of um losing that job it, it hits you hard, isn't it? So you do really have to think, be mindful that there are all these feelings that you have and you have to just really 
try and yeah process it um think straight um but also speak to people um and almost by speaking it out it might help you clarify things or, or you might get some thoughts from somebody else about things that you have to do um and 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 sometimes don't don't feel that you have to um like make a decision there and then uh, because it yeah, could be that don't. you're making the wrong decision um especially if you're confused and I, I don't know the legal things but say your employer says sign this do you really have to sign it um yeah. i don't know so maybe get some legal advice uh but yes. don't jump to making rash decisions when you're not thinking clearly um i mean what do you think Octavia? yes no i agree talk to as many people as you can if you need to talk to an employment lawyer about what has been presented to you always get um a second opinion from expert counsel but yes talk to talk to friends talk to people who've been through this you're not alone and so many people are being laid off for like the second third fourth time maybe in their careers you know it's uh, it's becoming an increasingly common phenomenon that doesn't make it any less painful um and then the other challenge that i see people are facing right now is that because so many people are losing their jobs and because so many companies at this moment in time are perhaps introducing hiring freezes because even if they haven't laid off employees they may be being really conservative about their growth as they like look at the economy and what's going to happen next that raises the stakes even more because you and so many others have lost your job and then the opportunities or perceived opportunities are shrinking and that those two things together are incredibly stressful and so talk to as many people as you can because it's important for you to have support as you are navigating your next steps but also there was a study done recently by LinkedIn and MIT about how it's your weaker ties your weaker connections who actually can be the most impactful in finding new opportunities it's not always the people who know you the best or you know your best friends or your your former coworkers it's actually perhaps the people they know <laughs> that can be helpful for you so the more you tell people about what you're looking for and what you want to do next the better because you never know who might know somebody or have a neighbor or have a friend or have read something or just seen something that could be helpful for you yeah no I, I really love that point because i i've noticed that you know, exactly exactly that same phenomenon that it's not your first order connections where the uh, jobs or information will come for, from but it could be the second or third order and i don't yes. know whether it's because they they know other people or it could be that maybe they're more not more willing to help but then they feel they don't know you that well so if things go wrong it's not such a big deal so they're happy to recommend you it could be that as well but it, it, it's it's a weird thing that i totally agree with you it's those like second third maybe even fourth order people yes. who do help sometimes um yes. I, I just love that point yes yes i've seen that time and time again in my own experience in terms of opportunities and i see it also with the people that i coach that it's sometimes been a friends connection or someone that they perhaps knew a long time ago or someone that they see once in a while right? <laughs> um that had a fantastic even just a suggestion because it doesn't necessarily need to be a recommendation or someone who's actually having it can even sometimes just be a suggestion or an introduction that can spark an idea or an opportunity that you wouldn't have known about otherwise and those things can be powerful and also sometimes you can get inspiration and support in the most unexpected places 
Totally agree with that. And and now sort of moving on to um, our sort of resume slash CV, um, yes. what are your three top suggestions for people when they're thinking, okay, I've got to get my uh, resume CV out there. What are the three things that they should sort of focus on? Or yes. even more if you have them. <laughs> yeah. So um, dependent on the last time that you updated your CV or resume, and I think it's really important to, to zoom out and really think about tailoring what you create to what you want to do next and so you want to make sure that you are providing proof points that align squarely with what the role you're applying for details as essential and you can you can tell from the language that that is used in the job description you can look at how they describe the role in addition to the levels of experience and the skills they're looking for what what is it they're sharing with you and what examples do you have that show not just that you have the experience but also demonstrate what you've achieved quantifiable results that can show the impact of what you've done are so important if you're unsure about whether you're your resume is where it should be, ask someone who works in the industry that you are applying within to proofread what you have. Ask for honest feedback. Someone else's eye will always catch something (laughs) that you perhaps didn't think about or perhaps have a suggestion that you might not have been aware of. Um, So don't be afraid to share your CV or resume with others um, and consider it something that you can constantly keep improving and evolving and tailoring um, dependent on what you are applying for. And and one um, suggestion I think I came across from one of your other interviews mm-hmm. um, was that you should constantly keep up this record of your achievements as yes. you go along, because yes. it's so easy to forget about stuff. Um, yes. And 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 sometimes there are things that you think are not so important, but actually they are they are key. So uh, yes. if you can, maybe up, keep updating your CV every uh, few weeks or months or whatever just so that it is fresh because otherwise going back and then trying to update it, you, you might miss stuff. I mean, what do you yeah, think? I, I, I firmly believe that tracking your accomplishments is the most important thing anyone can do for their career. And it's not actually just for your resume. It's actually for you because your resume is a sales sheet that helps you ca- perhaps get a next opportunity, but the work that you do <laughs> underpins everything. And our resumes and CVs um, are really brief right? They're a snapshot and they're tailored to what you're applying for. And in all honesty, we're multifaceted, multi-talented individuals who can do a lot of things. And some of the things that we might do really, really well might not even be things that end up being a proof point on our, on our resumes, depending on what we're applying for. And it's really, really important to keep this in a separate place, actually, to your CV or resume, because it's going to get long. And you might add certain details and you might move things around. And then what you do is when you're looking at your CV or resume, you can then cross-reference with this document and say, oh, I can update it with this. Or I can see a pattern here now of the impact that I've had. Oh, my goodness, my manager gave me this feedback and I hadn't realized the impact of this program that I had. Like All of these these things can then add value to your resume. But your resume is not fully representative of everything that you can bring to the table in your career. It's a snapshot of that. And I think it's really important for you to have your own separate document that you use for yourself, even if you're not job hunting. It's one of the most important thing you can do for your career. 
And, and I love that point because sometimes I think, you know, if you're feeling down about your job or your life or whatever, yes. you look at this document and you think, wow, you've achieved these um, great yes. things. I mean, at the start of the podcast, when I was saying it's episode 57, I was thinking, like, how did I get it? Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, like, where, where did we? Where exactly. all from, exactly. And on your resume, you might not list out all 57 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but what you have achieved with each and every one of those episodes is incredibly powerful, whether you're looking at it as a body of yeah. work or whether you're looking at it as specific insights, whether it's, you know, metrics on a certain episode that, you know, when you or just it, feedback that you got or something that you learned, a problem that you solved or really important guests that you had. <laughs> right or technical difficulties that you overcame and navigated new problems of because a lot of the work that we do might be invisible to anyone else it might not even be something that would even end up being on your resume but it matters because you're learning and you're growing and I have to be honest I'm a career coach but I hate CVs and resumes I hate them <laughs> I think it's that it's it's so hard to distill who you are in one or two pages, right? It's just, it's really hard. And what you're really doing is you're just selling yourself to your next employer. And you have to learn how to do that well, because it's a game that we have to do. But that is not representative of who you are as an individual. I just love that point. And I expect my downloads in California and the Los Angeles area to blow up. <laughs> but, but actually on a sensible point, Octave, I think in addition to your CV, if you have stuff um, online, if you're say creating content, um, if, if you can get on a podcast, start your own podcast, just put a few videos out there. I think that's quite compelling because with the CV, it's like a hook. And then somebody will delve a bit deeper. They say, Google, Google you. And then if when they Google you, they can see an article that you've written or something sensible on LinkedIn, it's it's giving a, a more of a, a rounded appearance of what you can offer. And it, it, especially if they can see you or hear you, it does make such a difference. It really does. Public speaking skills will be helpful in a million of ways, but I also recognize not everyone's comfortable yeah. making a video. Not everyone would feel they could get on a podcast, especially podcasts that are video these days <laughs> where you can't just, you know, speak, you actually have got to be visible. It yeah. can be for someone who perhaps hasn't done it before, yes. something that doesn't feel comfortable. Not everyone might feel they have the opportunity, even though you can create these opportunities for yourself, as you, as you pointed out. But here's the thing, we all have a digital footprint. So our bios and how we write about who we are, that piece of real estate you have on your LinkedIn profile, that matters. You can get a domain for your own name or uh, represents the work that you do. Um, and you can have your bio and a, you know, an image of you on the internet. That's incredible an opportunity that every single one of us can take, even if it's just that. Um, and then there's the next level in terms of perhaps you might want to write a piece of content about insights that you have in terms of the work that you do, trends that you're seeing, your industry. Maybe you will do the interview that you talked about in terms of perhaps being on a podcast or even just posting a video where you're talking to someone else or sharing your thoughts. There were so many different things that you can do. Um, and there's so many things that you could do with your employer as well in terms of making sure that you're thinking about what you want to be known for that supports the work that you do and how you can amplify that. I think thinking about what we want to be known for, it's one of the questions that I have as the foundations for identifying your career values. And I share that in the first chapter of my book, Prep, Push, Pivot. What do you want to be known for? And then thinking about what next steps you could take. Some of them might be immediate. Some of them might be things you think about as goals for the future. 
to really embody that with intention. And the thing is, I think about creating content, the, the really interesting thing there is that you never know who is going to see this. So it could be that, um, you know, this interview, uh, somebody like Oprah Winfrey sees it and says, wow, Octavia, she's amazing. You know, yes. I'm going to put you on my like book club list or whatever it is. Yes. You, you never know. You I, never I, know. I did a podcast interview and the person didn't tell me it was going to be video beforehand. So my video wasn't even on and it was just my voice. But someone at Google listened and hired me to come and speak at their career week. So you you never know <laughs> who is going to see, listen, read, and pay attention. And it's not necessarily the person who likes the piece of content yeah. either. Um, the, the reach is much broader than you can even imagine. So, so Oprah, do you remember when you got Octavia? <laughs> I, I helped to get her there. <laughs> but, but anyway, apart from my self-promotion, let's move on to your book, Octavia. Loved reading it. Can you tell Thank us you. Um, what's it about and wh- why did you write it? Yeah, of course. So my book is Prep, Push, Pivot, Essential Career Strategies for Underrepresented Women. In essence, it's a career coaching guide to help minority women navigate key moments in our career, whether that's figuring out that next step, understanding what you're reaching for, figuring out how to negotiate your salary, asking for a promotion. Perhaps you might be deciding to take a step away from your career in terms of how you prepare for that. Um, Maybe you're looking to return to work after perhaps pausing to raise children or care for a member of your family how to get back to work, and also how to make a career change, whether that's making a sidestep or a huge pivot. And then I also really underscore the importance of paying it forward. Even while we're building our careers, there will always be someone harsher who's looking at where you're at and would love to have had an experience like the one you are having or to have done something that you've already accomplished. Even as we are looking to do more, there's always someone who is looking to us as a role model, even if we don't feel like we're in that position yet. And it's so important for us to to share our journeys, to share the mistakes that we made, to ask other people about their career goals, to make connections or recommendations. It's so powerful. There were so few women of color in the corporate pipeline. You know, there were so few of us. And so for those of us that are building and trying to take that next step, it's really important that we look to see and support the women who are following in our footsteps. And so I'm a career coach and I I wanted to harness all of the questions that I'm asked, the insights I have from navigating my own career. I started my career 23 years ago in the UK. I'm now here in the United States. I've done almost all of those things that I described to you in terms of what the book covers, in terms of like figuring out what am I going to do next? How do I ask for that promotion? How do I juggle, you know, having two babies and, you know, navigating a full-time career that requires me to travel? How do I do all of the things? How do I change careers? And so I pulled all of this together into my book. And it also has resources at the end. I call it the Dream Bigger Career Toolkit. It's got 300 action verbs you can use on your CV or resume. It's got worksheets you can use to figure out your career values and your career commitments. And if you want to read the first chapter right now, you can just go to my website, octaviagorodima.com and click on the banner at the top and you can read the first chapter right now. Fantastic. I love the point you make about underrepresented women, because, mm-hmm. you know, it can be that you're going uh, into the workforce and there aren't people that 
um, look like you in the company or various other uh, differences. And you can feel quite isolated. So it's good to hear um, other people's stories um, and hear what they've gone through because it can be um, quite hard, even though your colleagues can be very supportive and, and helpful. I mean, what do you what do you think, Octavia? Oh, absolutely. Not just in terms of being any, but also women of color earn the least on the pound and the dollar mm. compared to white men. And so it also matters in terms of our own advancement, in terms of our journeys are distinct, even though the challenges that we might face might appear to be invisible to, to anyone else. And the point that you make about being one of the few or one of the only in the workplace, you also might be one of the few or the only in your own networks outside of work, because you might be the only one of your friends that is pursuing the career that you have or the first in your family to do what you're doing. So we don't necessarily have the depth and breadth of networks and supports even outside of the workplace before we even talk about what's going on in the workplace. And what I see increasingly in my work as a career coach is the further and further and further that we progress, the harder and harder and lonelier it becomes. Because there's an assumption that, oh, Octavia's made it, or this person's making it. But what people don't see is what it takes to get to that point, how you might not necessarily command the same level of respect. They don't necessarily see that there's what feels like there's no room to fail. Yeah, no, I, I love that point. And and sometimes in a way, maybe you're checking how you behave in certain situations, whereas with your yes. friends, you can act in a particular way. Absolutely. With your colleagues, it's the code yeah. switching, yeah, which is yeah, what you're no, describing. Totally, yeah. One of my friends describes it as you're carrying a backpack of rocks and no one else can see it, but you're carrying it. And eventually, especially when you've carried it for a long time, you just start to say like, I... I don't know if I can do this anymore. And that's when we lose women. We we see the cliff where, you know, aside from the systemic challenges of that are impacting, you know, our advancement, but we see also the point where people are just like, okay, I'm done. I can't deal with this anymore. You know, and it becomes very, very difficult, especially um, for certain microaggressions that people might experience in the workplace, you know, comments, questions about, oh, where are you from? Or just assumptions that there might be. And, yeah, yeah, and, and, it's it's very hard to navigate those things in the moment, but the accumulation of those feelings over time and those experiences, um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot harsher. And um, not everyone has the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with a coach. I, I'm so proud of the work that I do, not because of the bio that you read out, but uh, the things that people don't know about the support that I can give to others, how I've helped other people navigate really difficult, challenging times in their careers and come through the other side. That's the work that excites me the most. And that work is invisible. And, and not everyone has that support. And it's funny when you were talking about microaggressions. I mean, my sort of way, not, not that I've had a lot, but generally I try and sort of deal with it in a humorous sort of way, like did that really happen type thing and yes. most like laugh it off. And and you can do that for a while, but then sometimes you think, oh my god, this is just too much. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I can I, look. I fortunately have not been in a situation where it's got that that bad, but you know, clearly I can empathise. You know, just on a, a few things that have you know, happened to me. That oh my gosh, if this is a cumulative thing, by the end of it, you think, oh, how can I deal with this? It's really hard. Yes. And I think sometimes people don't realise. Look, it's not as if people are being 
openly you know unpleasant to you maybe they sometimes are but it's that cumulative effect that drip by drip you're hearing these things or uh, seeing these things maybe somebody's being favored more than you are or yes. that your boss is being nicer to somebody else and it, eventually you, you then you're you're thinking it, is this person gaslighting me is there yes. some agenda going on and you're almost like second guessing yourself it's a really yes. frustrating situation to be in it, it's so I can totally empathize yeah yeah and it impacts your ability to do your best work yeah, totally and that sense of belonging, value. I I talk in my book about how important it is to know your worth, even when it's not being reflected back at you. Yeah, and that's such an important point because I think sometimes people feel that their employer is the only show in town. Um, And especially I think if you're quite senior, then you've got the the you know the probably the 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 tenure of being there, the respect, the money, the perks. But actually I think you should never feel that you can't walk away because we all have agency. Um, I mean, what, what do you think, Octavia? Yes, making sure that you make decisions from a position of strength versus yeah, a position of weakness. And yeah. that's why the continuing to track your accomplishments, the talking to others, not just when you're looking for that next role, but finding ways to have, create your own support circle. You're like, personal board of directors for your career. Um, I have a mastermind circle, the Prep Push Pivot Mastermind Circle, and I've created this because over the course of my two plus decade career, it's the it's the support of other people that has been pivotal for me, not just for finding the next opportunity, but for figuring out how to thrive in the work that I do, for figuring out how to problem solve, to figure out how to navigate that coworker that doesn't respect you or that direct report that doesn't respect yeah. you, figuring out how to be more visible, figuring out how to do the things that are essential before you even get to the components of your job description. And there aren't many places at work where you can have these conversations. Some of us might have a manager who's fantastic, right? And who we can actually consider to be a sponsor of our work, which is a mentor is someone who perhaps tells you how to do something. A sponsor is someone who will give you stretch assignments and recommend your work and open up opportunities you might not even have thought of possible. For those of us that have had managers like that, it's a game changer. Sadly, too many of us don't. (laughs) And so it's so important that we create circles of support for us. And, 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 us. And one thing talking about that, sort of the whole position of strength, um, mm-hmm. I would also say try and save as much as you can in the good times because it's so much easier to yes. sort of walk away from something <laughs> knowing I, I, I'm okay for a year or two years yes. or w- whatever it is, you know, cut back on the expenditure if you can. I mean, clearly now there's this cost of living crisis, so it's not easy to do that. But yeah, if you can save your money, it does make such a difference because then you can afford to take a bit more time or you know, when your boss is being nasty to you, you you can really think, oh yeah, maybe I can walk away. I mean, what what do you think, Octavia? Um, I think it's really important to make sure we set ourselves up for success and in terms of having strong foundations. But I think it's also really important as well to constantly assess what our earning potential could be. Look at the latest um, salary data that is aggregated. There are companies that do that. um, And you can literally in a few clicks look and see based on your years of experience and your skills and where you're located and the industry that you're in, 
what the um, salary ranges could be if, if you don't have sal- salary transparency in your industry already, um, what they could be for you. Um, and I think it's really important as well for us to get comfortable talking to one another about what we earn and also about what the earning potential could be. And if you don't want to ask someone, how much do you make? You could ask, what do you think the salary range could be based on your experience for this type of role, yeah. right? It's, a, it's an open-ended question. It allows someone to, to, to give their input because, you know, what we earn matters as well. And yes, saving for that just-in-case-of-emergency <laughs> situation is really, really important, but also learning to be advocates and learning how to negotiate and have the conversations is so important. And, and I emphasize this in my book because before I became a career coach and when I was leading teams and when the time would come for performance reviews, the men on my team had no problem, regardless of what they scored on their performance <laughs> in terms of having conversations about this. And I don't want to make it just a gender-based discussion, but I saw it in real time in terms of on my team, the women, since I would. Yeah, that that's striking. And I love that point you make about trying to do some analysis about getting real information and not just saying, well, I should get a 5% raise or 10% raise. Really look at the market, look at your yes. skill set. Um, if you can, maybe speak to a, a headhunter, a recruiter, and just say, like, with my experience, what do you think uh, this uh, I should be getting? I think that's that's really important. And actually, move apart from that, are there any other thoughts on um, negotiating pay rises that you think might be helpful for you know, yeah, of course. Um, it's important to take your emotion out of it. I have coached more times than I can count women who've come to me furious because they've learned that the newest hire on their team who's working alongside them, who is a different gender to them, is making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars more than they are. Right. And so of course there's anger and indignation at that. But what you also have to do is <laughs> process that emotion, but then let's get to the facts. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the facts, let's make the case. Let's assemble what I call your proof points in terms of, you know, all those accomplishments you and I were just talking about that everyone's going to start tracking after they've listened to us if they're not doing it already. Um, Assembling those proof points and quantifiable results against those. And then also, yes, my research has shown to me that the market rate for this role is X to X right? Let the data speak for itself (laughs) in many cases. And then if your performance also supports and you're achieving results, have the conversation. And don't also, dependent on when you're having the conversation, different companies and organizations have different cycles in terms of their fiscal years and when these decisions are made. And it might not just be a one-time conversation. Your manager might have the remit and autonomy to make that decision unilaterally, but more often than not, they will have to go and then make the case to someone else and to someone else and to someone else. So be confident and patient and be clear and create a timeline for the conversation if it has to continue, you know, over a period of time. And keep the conversations going. Be very clear about what you're looking for. That doesn't stop you from delivering while you're, you know, you're having these conversations. And then also personally, I talk about it in my book, whether that's with looking for a new job or promotion or whatever it is, know yourself personally, what you're working towards in terms of what is the number that matters most for you. Don't share that number with anyone else because you want to get past that number, ideally. Yeah, sure. But know what your sweet spot is. What is it? Don't just think, do the research, talk to people, land on it, and then know that you deserve it. Yeah, and, and I really like this point about this ongoing conversation because I think, 
don't just wait till your performance review because at that point it's too, too late. late. Yeah. So you've got to sort of, okay, you, you think you're being underpaid, got to bring it up. And look, this is a, yes. it's not an easy conversation, but you've got to say to your boss, look, can we have um, a few minutes? I'd like to talk about something and, and, and have start having the conversation. Start and then, having the conversation. Emphasize yeah. what you, what you enjoy about your work and for start with a positive, start with, a, and, and then go into a key <clears> result, key result that you've delivered and then present the facts. Yeah. And, and I, as you're saying, take the emotion out of it and say, look, yes. you know, this is what I've done. I understand this is the market rate. Um, yes. Yeah, clearly it may, might take time for this to, to kick in, but this is my expectation. But, but and then also say, look, what is it that I have to do to yes. confirm that? Because, you know, sometimes you've got, you've got, you've got bosses who are willing to say, unfortunately, anything and they'll just say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it comes to uh, review time and they'll come up with some fairly yeah, excuse. But actually, if you can get them to commit to it, uh, uh, like you know, these are the things I need to do. And then when it comes to review time, if you haven't done that, that's fine. But if you have, then you can say, well, I've delivered. Why aren't I getting paid? Um, then I suppose you also feel much easier about, you know, going somewhere else or playing yeah. hardball. Or you know, What do you think, Octavia? Absolutely. Have a conversation and the outcomes of that conversation will tell you everything. Um, it could be that your company can't meet your needs. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't take what you have achieved and continue conversations perhaps with someone else. But if you don't start the conversation where you are, you will never know, even if your intention is to move on. It's a powerful and important thing to do. And it's an important skill that we need to learn because there aren't many times in our careers where we have those conversations, if you think about it. At best, it's once a year in your performance review, right? At best, right? So that's not very often, right? Unless we're then looking for jobs and we get to the point where perhaps an offer is being prepared and then we're negotiating in detail. There are not many occasions where we do this. So it's really important for us to harness the opportunities when we have them and learn the skills. And you'll probably be negotiating constantly in other forms of your life life too, whether that's in terms of the role that you do, in terms of the, the, the work that you have and the vendors that you have, or in terms of your personal life, right? So these are important skills to harness. You know, our career is the most personal and the most valuable investment you will ever make, ever. Yeah. And 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 one, uh, we're getting sort of to the end of our time, Octavia, but one point I'd also love to bring up is this idea of job envy, which I loved in your book. And it's that whole idea of, yeah. you know, when you're looking at other people's careers, especially if you've started off, maybe you graduated at the same time, you've got very similar backgrounds and skills and you know, other people could be doing fantastically well. And you're thinking, yeah. what happened to me? But, <laughs> but I really think the, the important thing there is to uh, like be logical and think, okay, what, have, what have I achieved? But also it's about the long game. I mean, what, what do you think Octavia? Yeah. I, I, I talk about career envy in my book, prep, push, pivot, and we've all been there, Harsha, mm. right? You, you, you log on to LinkedIn and you're like, whoa. <laughs> How did they get that job? <laughs> whoa. And, and then there's part of you which is like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm hitting like, I'm great. And then it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? Right? <laughs> I'm such a loser. <laughs> right? We, we all at some point have that feeling. But here's the thing, it's what we do next that matters. Yeah, and we also have to remember, we're seeing the polished, shiny announcement. We, we don't see, unless we know that person personally, what it took, what they had to sacrifice, perhaps how they are feeling yeah. as they're navigating this 
what looks like fantastic new exciting thing like there's there's so much that we don't know we just see and interpret but let's use that as positive fuel you, you know personally I get exhilarated you know seeing someone do something spectacular because it reminds me that there's so much possibility right and what my journey might be might not skyrocket in exactly that same way or manifest exactly the same way but there are still things that I can achieve that I can't even begin to imagine and what I have to do is I have to think about what you talked about earlier who can help me who could I talk to who could inspire me what could I do next well Octavia um it has been you know so much fun having you on the podcast um and yeah before um we end how can people get in touch with you? I, I know you have a website, you're on LinkedIn, um, any other ways of getting hold yeah. of you? Um, if, if you have a question for me, go to my website, OctaviaGorodima.com. There's a contact form there. I see every single message that is sent. Cool. Um, and then if you use LinkedIn and you're listening or watching this, please send me a connection request and let me know that you listened or watched. I would love to connect. Fantastic. And and one final thing, Octavia, I'd like to offer my guests a chance to give a shout out to somebody who's helped them in their career or in their life. Um, yeah, it can be any, anybody. Uh, anybody you'd like to sort of say you know, hi to? Oh, my goodness. Um, Just one. So <laughs> many people. I'll, I'll pick one. One is... um. She was actually one of your guests, and um, Kathy Caprino. We just oh, had wow, cool. um, lunch in New York, and I love her energy and the insight she gave me into ideas for myself just over that lunch. So, thank you, Kathy. Very grateful. No, I, I love Kathy, and she was a yeah fabulous guest. Love having her on the show. So, yeah, no, that that's amazing. So, Octavia, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been so much fun. Uh, we could have talked for you know part two, part three, but you know the, the time is limited, unfortunately, for both of us. But you know, it's it's been so much fun, Octavia. So, thank you so much for taking the time to appear on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Next time, we'll have to do it in person in Rancho Palos Verdes. Yes, exactly. You take care, Octavia. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such a fun interview. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers, and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Wishing you success with your career. I hope you will join me again in the future.